Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, welcoming you to our Chosen People radio program today, and I hope that you're enjoying it, and I want to be probably not the first, but maybe one of the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I'd like to also say thank you for joining us for this special Christmas edition of The Chosen People. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter, who I always call Bobby, and when you meet him, call him Bobby, because if you call him Robert, he may not answer you. But uh, it's a nice name, Robert. Anyway, Bobby heads up our Brooklyn branch of Chosen People Ministries, and he's our New York Regional Director, and it's wonderful to have Bobby here. He's a great Bible teacher, a great Bible student, and it's wonderful to have his support in this program. Thank you, Bobby, for bringing so much to the table. Yeah, well, you're welcome, Mitch. And shalom and, and Merry Christmas, everyone. It's really just a pleasure to be with you this weekend. Mitch, as you know, I mean, over the past few weeks, we've been talking quite a bit about these two very important holidays that are observed in December, one by the Jewish community and one by the Christian community. Well, it's pretty easy to uh, summarize it. You know, you can summarize all Jewish holidays in just three points. They tried to kill us, we defeated them, so we ate. And, you know, which is why Christmas is definitely a Jewish holiday, as well as Hanukkah. Although we see a lot of Christmas trees uh, topped with Jewish stars and Hanukkah bushes, nice blue and white bushes with lights, there is actually a real issue in a lot of homes because we're up to over 50% intermarriage in the Jewish community. Mm. And so for the sake of the children, the holidays need to be figured out. It's a, it's a big deal. It's why a Messianic congregation like the one you lead in Brooklyn is so critical right. for Jewish people because that's where sort of the Christian person and the Jewish person come to peace because Jesus is at the center of it. So joining a Messianic congregation or being part of that kind of ministry is really great for the children. And I found over the years that there's rarely a recognition that at its root, Hanukkah finds its ultimate fulfillment in Yeshua the Messiah, and the light of the world in Christmas is really a Jewish holiday. I just, I just don't know many evangelical <laughs> churches that kind of get that, but it, it feels so natural to me because he is the light of the world, and there are so many great themes together. But for me, the, the real theme that unites Christmas and Hanukkah really goes all the way back to God's covenant with Abraham, where he said in Genesis 12, 3, I'll bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's always been God's intention to bless the world through the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. The Jewish people were not chosen for the sake of the Jewish people. The Jewish people were chosen for the sake of the world. Right. And so it's through the Jewish people that we have the scriptures, through the Jewish people, uh, the Messiah came physically. And so... As God has preserved the Jewish people, sometimes with the help of Gentile Christians praying and fighting against anti-Semitism, and as the proto-evangelium, Latin for it's the first mention of the good news. It's, mm -hmm. it's the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. It's a little cryptic, but it, it takes place after the sin of Adam and Eve. Right. And there's a word given by God in Genesis 3.15. And uh, I'd like to read it. So the Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, if you've ever played football like I did as a kid, you know that a bruised heel is really, really painful. But 
If you've also grown up like I did in New York City, going up to the Catskill Mountains during the summer in order to uh, get away from the city, and uh, one of the things we boys love to do is kill snakes. And so you learn very quickly at a very young age that the only way to kill a snake is to cut off his head or to crush his head. But of course, in the Old Testament, we're talking about more vicious snakes than garter snakes. And so if you decided to step on a snake in order to destroy it and to kill it, you might get bit on the heel in the process. So for the snake, it was fatal. For the person, it was not fatal, but it was really painful. It's interesting that even in the Gospel of John, uh, this prophecy is picked up as a messianic prophecy as fulfilled in the death of Jesus. Jesus died, but it wasn't fatal. Now, how in the world can that be? Hmm. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. As predicted in Isaiah chapter 53, instead of staying dead, he rose from the dead. He crushed death. And it was through his death and resurrection, we can't forget it, through his death and resurrection that we are saved. And so this is an incredible prophecy. So again, we have to say, like we did last week, the Messiah was born to die. The Son of God was born to die. But he would never remain dead. He would crush death. He would die an atoning death. He would rise in glory, in victory, in power, and one day he will return to reign as king. But there's no doubt that on the way to the throne and to ascend to the throne of David, he had to first die. And so we're grateful for all these wonderful truths of Scripture helping us understand that we have a great day coming because that first dismal, dreary, difficult day when the Messiah died actually took place, but it was offset by the joy of resurrection, and it will be completely glorious in the day that he returns. You know, Mitch, you're right. Genesis 3.15, in, in so many ways, it's like the first note in a song that just plays throughout the rest of the scripture, painting this, this beautiful picture of this Savior who's going to come, and that through his death and through his uh, resurrection, the world is going to be fixed. The sin problem is going to be taken care of. And as that song continues to play and more notes continue to, to chime in, one that really stands out that I think is important for us at this season is Genesis 49.10, which says this, Moses is writing, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, even the rabbis of old recognized that the name Shiloh was a reference to the Messiah and to this Redeemer of Genesis 3.15 that has been promised to Israel and the nations. And these promises shaped the expectations of the Jewish people so that when the Messiah did come, he would be recognized by the people. Uh, and another one of these really important passages that I think is special for us today is Micah 5.2. It says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So, more information is given about this king, about this savior, about this redeemer of Israel and the nations, specifically where he will be born. But also we see that he'll be a king, and we'll see that he'll be divine, he'll be eternal. His, his goings forth are from the days of eternity, from long ago. And really, this, these passages, this, this song plays one name, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah.
And I think it's also significant as we look at what's going on around Christmas. Again, looking at the birth of the Messiah in Luke chapter 2, as, as he's brought to the temple and Simeon meets Miriam and Joseph there in the temple and, and puts his eyes upon this, this baby, this, uh, this redeemer, this savior that Israel had been longing for for thousands of years by that point. He said this, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. This is the Messiah. This is the King. This is the one that we celebrate at this season. So Mitch, I think you'll agree, there is no one else like Yeshua, no one else like Jesus, our Messiah. Absolutely, Bobby. Uh, He is one of a kind. He's the only one. And he's the one through whom we find life, peace, joy, forgiveness, and all the good things that actually you can never buy in a mall. And uh, and so all that we really, really need is found in him. Uh, you know, a, a nice shirt or a pair of shoes doesn't hurt once in a while. Uh, but all we really need is found in him. And I pray and hope that he will be the reason for the season for all of us and that we will continue to lift his name up. To help us with that, we're going to now turn to a great Advent lesson. This is actually part of our series. It's number five, and it's entitled, The Greatest Love of All. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. What do you think of when you think of love? Perhaps you think of Valentine's Day, or the love of courtship and marriage, or the love of friendship, or the love of one's country. You may also think of the love that you have for your children, or the love that you received from your parents as a child. The relationship that we have with our parents can often be fraught with anxiety, hardship, but beneath everything, we all have a desire to be loved and to be accepted by the people who brought us into the world. In Psalm 2, verses seven and eight, we see the loving parental heart of God the Father. The context of this messianic psalm is the coronation of a king, but not just any king, the King Messiah. The psalm states that the nations of the earth rage against the rule of the Lord and this anointed king. In response, the Lord laughs at them and promises that his son, this messianic king, will rule over them and that his rule will extend to the very ends of the earth. Another interesting thing that stands out in this psalm is the Hebrew phrase, Ani hayom yelitecha, which is translated, today I have begotten you. The verb yalad means to bear, to bring forth, or to beget. The most common use of this verb is in the case of a mother giving birth to a child. In this case, it is used figuratively to emphasize the speaker formally installing the king into his theocratic rights, which is consistent with the coronation tone of the entire passage. However, 
The significance is not lost. The king's inauguration is formal, but there is also this warmth between a parent and a child. The prophecy that the messianic king would be God's son finds its fulfillment in our savior, Yeshua. The Jewish gospel writer, Matthew, he wrote concerning Yeshua's baptism. It says this, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Parallel texts can be found in Luke chapter three and in Mark chapter one. And the well-known verse in John 3:16, which all place a special emphasis on the cherished place of Jesus in the eyes of the Father. He is not just a beloved son, but he's the only begotten son, indicated by the Greek word monogene. Monogene means unique, or the only, or the one and only. Throughout the New Testament, this word is used to indicate the only children of various people, such as the son of the widow in Luke chapter 7, verse 12, or Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. In these instances, we see the tenderness of parents toward their children, who are their only ones. So what can we learn from this? Well, we see that there is no one else like Jesus. He is the only one of his kind. He is, as John 1.14 says, the only begotten from the Father. He is fully God and fully man, God with us, God in the flesh. So circling back to Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, some Jewish commentators, like the late medieval Jewish commentator Rashi, claim that this son refers to King David. But the nature of messianic prophecy is that every prophecy regarding a Judean king could also refer to the Messiah and oftentimes refers to both a natural Davidic king, but also to the future Messiah who comes from Davidic lineage as a complete fulfillment. So as we look ahead to Christmas, may we remember and reflect on the glorious truths of God's triune nature and the fact that God the Father sent His Son, the Messiah, His only begotten Son, the second person of the Trinity. He sent Him to come to this earth, to be born of a woman, to save us from our sins, the ultimate demonstration of love. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed these brief studies on Hanukkah and Christmas. And we also hope that they've blessed you and encouraged you to reach out and share the gospel with someone who needs to know the greatest love of all. Bobby, I really pray our listeners will have the opportunity to share some of these prophecies with their Jewish friends, co-workers who need to know about the Messiah, Yeshua. Let me give you a few practical suggestions. Number one, Make a plate of potato pancakes, or potato latkes, we call them. Get a little plate on the side of applesauce and- Sour cream. And sour yeah. cream. And uh, of course, I eat it with ketchup, but don't ever do that. That's <laughs> that would, People would be horrified by you doing that. But the potato pancakes, and you can go to our chosenpeople.com website, and you can get some recipes for this. But give them to a Jewish friend. You know, just pick out one or two Jewish people that you're close to and say, hey, I tried this recipe. Tell me what you think. These are potato latkes. 
And if you can't say latkes, just say pancakes. So that's one. The second thing, and this is going to sound a little odd to some people, Jewish people are sometimes really fascinated by what Christians do on Christmas. And so if you're really close to a a Jewish family or friends or your kids are friends with them, invite them over to see what you do on Christmas. And then, you know, take the opportunity that once they're really interested in the culture and and the tree and, and all the decorations, then maybe you can gently make the point that all of this is, is wonderful, but at the heart of it all is your relationship to the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. And it's also a good time to say we're so grateful to the Jewish people because through the Jewish people, we receive our Bible, our Messiah, and uh, we're just so very grateful for, for you. That's kind of a straightforward statement about a, a loving statement. You know, love always works. I train so many people in Jewish evangelism, but if people just love because you love Jesus and you love the Jewish people and just show that love, that always works, and it leads you to just a really powerful testimony. It also goes back to Romans eleven eleven, where the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans and said that they did not stumble so as to fall did they, about the Jewish people, may it never be. But by their transgression, the national rejection of Jesus at his first coming, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. And I think it's it's when a Gentile Christian loves Jewish people and shows that love, and it's sincere and genuine, which I know it will be, then it's really powerful. And that's the way God designed this whole thing to work that Gentiles were to make Jewish people jealous. But if you can just show that love in tangible ways to Jewish people, that's really at the heart, I think, of what Paul meant by making Jewish people jealous. It's not the great argumentation or the fact that you know Hebrew or know every Bible verse and every Messianic prophecy. It's really good. You're listening to a special Christmas edition of The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thanks, Bobby. I hope, friends, that you're having a great holiday season already. Uh, We've been enjoying Hanukkah, and we're looking forward to Christmas. Of course, I have a competitive problem with Christmas because my eldest daughter was born on Christmas Day. We we don't know what to do, so we just just celebrate birthdays in general, you know. And we have a lot of fun. So remember to pray for the Jewish people this coming year. There are people in dozens of cities across the U.S. reaching Jewish people through Chosen People Ministries. We're in almost 20 countries around the globe. And so I'd like to thank you for your faithful prayers and for your generous support. Uh, We can't continue this work without your support. We'd also like to get to know you better. So go online to our website and let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear uh, what you think of the program. Maybe there are some issues that you'd like tackled. Bobby and I would love to hear about it. We also have a free gift, a beautiful 2021-22 wall calendar, a Jewish art calendar uh, detailing the spots where Jesus walked and ministered. We'd like to send that to you as our way of saying thank you for tuning in today. Bobby? That's right. And you'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash offer. Or let us know that you're listening and would like a calendar by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. 
That's Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. And now, Bobby, before the benediction, why don't we go ahead and just again wish our friends Merry Christmas. You ready? I'm ready. One, two, three. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. And now to close us with the ironic benediction, here's Misha Getz and Mitch Glazer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Peace.